Welcome in to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. We are back with another episode. Today, we're going to kind of, we're, we're putting our stamp on the football season. We're ending up college football today. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of season recap, talk a little bit about just kind of the general conference outlook for a lot of these Power Five conferences. Obviously, a lot of turnover in the coaches. Um, a lot of turnover uh, as far as the transfer portal. So uh, we are going to talk about all of it. Um, and then tomorrow, the plan is that tomorrow we are going to do our big Super Bowl preview. Uh, we are going to have plenty of gambling picks, player props, touchdown props. I'm even going to make a national anthem prop because why? I have a platform to just say whatever I want. So I'm going to use that uh, to tell you what to bet on the national anthem uh, over or under. Um, <coughs> but we are going to break down the game. We're going to get our picks in for the game. Um, and hopefully, I, I honestly haven't talked to him yet. So I'm going to tease this without, you know, knowing if I'm going to be able to follow through. Hopefully, we're going to have Ryan Bennell, uh going the distance. Oh, yeah. GTD podcast, um, founder of GTD Sports, and also diehard Bengals fan. Um, so <laughs> that should be a uh, that should be a good time if we can get him on the pod. But for today, Jack, we're talking about college football, um, and we never really talked about it. But national championship happened. Um, Georgia happened. Um, your thoughts on the Georgia Bulldogs winning a national championship? Well, before we get that hot um, poker directly seeped into my eyeball, um, let's let's uh, mention one thing before we before we start this because I just simply think this is hilarious. And of the picks, because I know we've been tracking picks. <laughs> Don't choke on me. Um, <laughs> but um, while well, Noah recovers, uh, regular season picks, uh, Noah won by two games. Conference championship picks, I won by one game. Bowl games, we tied. And the New Year's six games, I got one up over him. And the national championship, we both uh, agreed. So total pick count is 109 to 71 tied, which is kind of remarkable how we both um, – tied exactly is uh is quite quite the interesting result here so um i have to hand it to you no it was an excellent season but kind of remarkable how we ended up tying but are you good <laughs> yeah i'm fine i had some coffee go down the wrong pipe um and briefly lost my shit so to speak uh but we're back we're fine um that's insane I get 180 games. We picked 180 games, Jack. And a and lot of them are different. Not high. everyone, obviously, but a lot are different. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 something I would not have expected. So I have to say hats off to you for uh, I know that we dislike ties in the blink coverage podcast, whether it's in football or whether and anything else. But all I have to say, kind of kind of fitting that we only saw one tie across all of football this year. And um, the second tie was then was then coming in with us. If- 
So if one of us just picked TCU like one fewer times, <laughs> that would have been it. If I didn't pick Syracuse one fewer time, <laughs> if I wasn't delusional on Syracuse one of these times, I would I would have won. So that that to me is more painful. Um, but now we can go to our final notes on the conferences. We did it like this last year. If you were tuning in then, but we're going to go by the conferences and we're going to start with the ACC because we're doing this in alphabetical order. And also so we can get it out of the way the fastest. Uh, this is uh, quite the interesting conference. They went two and four in bowl games, which you may say, wow, that's really bad, but it actually wasn't the worst conference in bowl games um, despite their conference talent being bad, but it wasn't the worst. So two and four, uh, this is a pretty disappointing year so far. Um, And my highlight teams, Wake Forest and Pittsburgh, both of them overperformed expectations. They both had stellar quarterback performances, and they both won their division. So I have to give them both credit for having an admittedly pretty solid season. Yeah, I mean, those are the two highlights. I was thinking, like, who else can we put on the highlights here? There is not really anyone else. Um, The ACC, I believe I made the comparison. At one point, I was trying to say that the American Conference was better than the ACC. Um, That take didn't exactly pan (laughs) out. Um, But you look top to bottom. This was not an impressive conference whatsoever. Uh, And really, the only other highlight I had here was NC State, uh, who put together a 9-3 and season. Uh, They beat Clemson at home. Um, yeah, they had a oh, really, man. really good year, uh, for the Wolf Pack. And, uh, rumor has it they're bringing back a lot of production for next year. So watch out for the Wolf Pack in a weakened ACC. Uh, of course, they're not going to have to go up against Sam Hartman or Kenny Pickett, which were the two, uh, sort of standout quarterbacks of the conference. Um, but if we want to get into lowlights here, we can talk about Clemson. Clemson fell off last year, and a lot of that was due to the most disappointing quarterback in the conference, uh, DJ Uyagalele. Yeah, Clemson was uh, – man. okay, I'm not going to say disaster because if you have a 10-3 and three season, you did not have a bad season. But for Clemson standards and what they usually expect, this was very obviously very down. And, yeah, they finished as a top 14 team, and hooray for that, but – it's still pretty interesting, and I get Wake's defense is worse, but Wake scored 307 points this season, and Clemson only mustered 196. Louisville scored 70 more points, and Louisville went 6-7. and seven. <laughs> So I get you guys play defense too, obviously, but the offense of this Clemson team was really bad. You know who scored the exact same amount of points as Clemson this season in the ACC? Exact same amount. Um, I'm going to go with... I don't know. Florida State. Oh, geez. You want to know who scored 30 more points than Clemson this year? Georgia Tech. Oh. Georgia Georgia Tech, Tech. who went 3-9 and and lost to Clemson, admittedly not by much. The game was shockingly close. But, yeah, if Georgia Tech's offense can put up 30 more points than you and you have all five stars – at least majority, that's that's tough. So, yeah, Clemson down here. My only other teams to add here uh, was Florida State yet again, um, even though they didn't really have any expectations this time, but still pretty sad. Um, and then also I put in UNC. Uh, despite Boston College mm-hmm. being bad, I didn't put them in only because their main quarterback was out nearly the entire year, Jerkovich. Uh, so 
Yeah, and they're also it's that. not a surprise. It's not a surprise no, and, for Baltimore. No. And they and they and again, the fact they went six and six with their starter out the majority of the year, who by the way is a pretty good starter, that that's not that bad. So really, UNC, I don't. I'm not going to knock BC. UNC was a top fifteen team. Yeah, what happened the there? Year. They finished fifth. They finished fifth. They in were the picked in a lot of cases to win the ACC. It was kind of between them and Clemson. I um, thought they were going to do well. I don't think I had them as my coastal winner, but I thought they would be up there. I mean, not fifth. I think we can certainly say that the ACC was the most surprising conference last year. I think that's very for the, safe for good say. and bad. <laughs> for good, good and bad. And bad. Yes. It was just the most upside down conference, uh, for sure. But in terms of just what our preseason expectations were, the opposite of surprising is at least consistent. And in terms of consistency. Um, we had a conference that also tended to buck that trend a little bit with its normally best team in the conference failing out. And that was the Big 12, who went a really, really strong 6-1 and one in bowl games. It's actually the best record of any Power 5 team by a wide margin. Uh, they're the only team to lose. Uh, I think, yeah, they were the only conference to lose fewer than four games in, in bowl production. And they had seven teams go. So, got to hand it to the Big 12. They had a really good postseason. The only problem was when it came to some of their top teams um going up um at least against each other because when we had oklahoma state and baylor which were obviously about the only two two good teams in the big 12 that game might have been one of the most heinous football games i've watched in a while uh the big 12 championship was a wild game um and not for people who like football so it this was this is a very strange conference this year at a conference that's usually kind of uninteresting at least very mellow of a conference you yeah. get what you think you're gonna get and this year's a little different yeah it was and i mean it all came down to the most exciting i would say the most exciting uh conference championship game uh with oklahoma state falling about a foot short um uh with less than a foot short yeah, see, um, exciting doesn't necessarily mean champion. quality but it was exciting <laughs> yeah no, exciting does not mean quality. That was a sloppy conference championship game. There were a lot of turnovers. Um, I mean, props to Baylor. I, I, I don't want to say that, but but I have to. Props to Baylor. Um, they were able to come I away still with- will say Baylor's top five finish may be one of the most overrated top five finishes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I, and and I would agree with that. That's really bad. <laughs> they but, are not. I mean, if they're a top five team, then that means this year was just very mediocre. Keep in mind, if Spencer Sanders gains one more yard on that scramble and gets in the end zone, we don't see Cincinnati in the playoff. We see Oklahoma State versus Alabama. Um, that would have been like an LSU-OU type situation. Um, I'm not sure that Oklahoma State has the facilities uh, – for that matchup uh, or had last season, at least um, we're seeing a lot of coaching turnover um, at Oklahoma state. Their defensive coordinator is moving on. I believe uh, I, I, I forget exactly where um, he's going, but their defensive coordinator moving on. They had a lot of guys graduate and uh, turn out. So Next year could be a little bit of a down year for Oklahoma State. You know, we usually see that this is a team that's in it. Um, but once they've got to kind of replace their quarterback, once they've kind of got to go through this rebuild season, um, I think last year was their chance. And next year, 
uh, should be a little bit more disappointing. I do want to hit on some lowlights, though. Namely, T. Yeah. <laughs> Namely, T. Yeah. yeah. We both. Warriors frogs are pretty rough to watch. We both pay attention uh, a little more than uh, most people uh, to TCU football because obviously uh, we are fans. But any season where your 20 plus year head coach uh, gets fired, and and he didn't technically get fired, but we I think we all kind of uh, agree that he was, it was essentially it was pushed, fired. lightly pushed out. Um, and now Gary Patterson's a special assistant at Texas. So stare, uh, tear down the statue uh, there. But Jack, talk about some of your lowlights. Hit on See, TCU. Uh, for, first of all, I'm going to say this. The dichotomy of Gary Patterson is that on one side, you have a coach that built a program from a very meaningless and nothing school and a meaningless and nothing conference into conference champions Rose Bowl champions and Big 12 champions, which to do that in the relatively short amount of time is incredibly impressive and deserves praise. Absolutely. TCU post like 2016 was pretty sad. But then again, to have like four bad years in a row after like 16 pretty good ones, I get that's still not like a good thing. I mean, I'm not saying this, that's a thing we should let slide, but it is something more understandable to someone. So I do get that Gary Patterson did way infinitely more good for TCU than anything negative. But even with that, the last couple of seasons were indeed very poor and we should not be that bad. So I get that that is a difference. So I understand that, but at the end of the day, it was his time to go. I do think it is sad. And yes, while there is going to be, I get the logical fair, whatever argument is going to be, Oh, well, you know, he's going to Texas and he can do whatever he wants and he's earned his stripes. He can do whatever. That's all true, but I don't really care when it's Texas. <laughs> like, yeah. I really don't. Like, even he could have any job he wants, and all that's great. And yeah, I'm not mocking him as a human being. I really don't care that much. But anytime you leave your school to go to a rival school, it is a gross feeling. And I do hate that. And I think that most fans would say that because that's a fair thing to think when your main coach leaves for a team that you hate. So I, I think especially the team that he had fathered for so many years. So it's like, I, I don't, I don't and, like it, and but I get it. I think a lot of it has to do with Chris Del Conte, uh, who is now and the that, AD at Texas, that formerly uh, the AD at TCU, um, had a really good relationship with Gary Patterson and, that that's kind of how we found out about that Gary Patterson was going to Texas before it was announced. Was we saw Gary Patterson in a Longhorns uh, in a Longhorns shirt at a game in a box with uh, Chris Del Conte. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, pro- I'll say this: props to Donati. Uh, whether Sunny Dykes works out or not, uh, they went and got their guy. They got him quick. Uh, preserved the signing class. And got a really got a really good haul uh, in terms of coaching staff that he brought over it's with true. him and transfers and transfers SMU. and transfers. Uh, I think we could see, not even could. I think we're going to see a different kind of TCU team next year. Yeah. Uh, now, whether that team has the defensive facilities um, of SMU in the past few years, that's no an entirely screens. different question. 
No but more screens. <laughs> no more jet sweeps. No more jet sweeps. Sonny no Cumbie more... is weeping. <laughs> yeah, d- somewhere Doug Meacham is crying in a hole watching God. jets, watching old Darius Davis jet sweep films. But la- last night on the Big Twelve, um, this conference did have three top ten teams. But I'm not gonna lie, you could have fooled me. Um, I really do think it's interesting how this conference had three top ten teams and everyone else was either mediocre or pretty bad. Um, mind you, Texas was five and seven. It was a joke, and they were what, like two or three spots out of the top 10 teams, like side of the big 12, which is kind of sad. So, um, which yeah, Texas sucked this year. We didn't talk about it a lot, but there wasn't really much to say. Texas lost to Kansas. Never forget. Um, Never, ever forget forget. that Texas, never forget that Texas lost to Kansas, which was at home. So at home, which was probably, that was to me the greatest game of the year. Easily. That was the best game of the year. Um, I, I would watch that entire game back. Uh, but to a conference that had uh, less incompetency abound was the Big Ten, which they have been through some interesting things over the last few years, and most notably last season with giving Ohio State a free uh, get-into-the-championship-game pass because their name is Ohio State. And this season, um, well, the free pass did not count, which was great, and Ohio State did not go to the Big Ten championship game, which was pretty shocking because Michigan – Decided to finally have a really good season. Um, still ended a loss, but still a very good season. I'm not going to knock Michigan, so I will give them that. So one heck of a season that Michigan had. Michigan State had a way better season than we thought. Mel Tucker really getting things done in East Lansing. Um, but kind of once again, the same problem in the Big Ten East. You have three top ten teams that are pretty good teams. And then you have four pretty bad teams, or at least three bad teams and one massively underwhelming team. And then the West is kind of the same thing where you have like a lot of they're good teams like Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa. Like they're good, but that's about it. And then Illinois was average and Nebraska, Northwestern were a joke. So a very strange conference. I need a surrender punt index. If you're not familiar with the surrender punt index, um, there is a, a an account on Twitter uh, that tracks every punt and its index on the surrender punt index, which just basically tells you how cowardly of a punt it is. So, you know, punting from the opponent's 40-yard line um, will get you uh, a pretty high reading on the surrender punt index. I need it for Iowa. I need the surrender punt index for Iowa uh, because they had probably horrific time surrender punts, like fourth and two from the opponent's 42 yard line. Um, Just some atrocious fourth and ones. Um, Iowa was easily the most infuriating, like sort of good team to watch this year. Um, There were certainly some other lowlights, but, one of my lowlights was just watching Iowa play football, even though they were good, even though they were good. It was the most infuriating thing to watch. Um, when Iowa wins these like 16 to 13 games, uh, we talked about all year, a recurring theme was big 10 football um, and big 10 oh, and football. You, you want to start with that about big 10 football? 
There yes. were four teams. There were four teams in the Big Twelve that surpassed three hundred points, which were Oklahoma State, unsurprisingly, Oklahoma, unsurprisingly, Iowa State, and then actually Texas. Even though Texas got outscored, uh, Texas allowed three hundred fifteen points, which was awful. Uh, second worst to Kansas by about fifty. Which oh god, Kansas. Uh, oh yeah, Kansas got outscored three hundred ninety one to one hundred seventy seven, <laughs> which is wow, that's bad. But. Um, <laughs> Getting outscored by 200 points in 12 games, um, which is just depressing. But four teams out of a 10 possible. Big 10 has 14 possible teams. Guess how many scored above 300? It's not zero. Uh, two. You are correct. And those would be Ohio State with a pretty impressive 418 and then Michigan with 307. Indiana scored 94 points. Kansas scored 80 more. 80. <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> like, how is it possible? <laughs> well, a lot of that was due to the 50 UMass, UMass scored 196. UConn yeah. scored 187. <laughs> I, I don't understand what? what happened to Indiana this what? year. UMass scored over understand. twice the amount of points, and it's UMass. <laughs> Oh, God. No, it was a joke. Um, this was a very depressing team to watch. Um, yeah, Indiana's fall off was shocking. Um, I mean, not like as in it was a massive surprise, more like just simply the fact they went from being actually pretty good to being really bad in a really short amount of time. It's just sort of sad to see. So that's more what I mean. But yeah, my lowlights uh, are going to be the teams you think, which is going to be Northwestern, Indiana, of course. But I'm going to have to go Penn State, too. I'm not going to let Penn State yeah. slide on here because, once again, you had big expectations, and once again, you could not get anywhere close to winning the back, the, um, the Big Ten East. In fact, you finished fourth, which is pretty bad, going four and five. And Penn State, again, they had a solid start, but the Auburn loss really hurt them. And, and just no, they beat not... Auburn. They beat oh, sorry, Auburn. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I mixed that up. It was um, Illinois. It was when they had that – yeah, it was that insane triple overtime game. I forgot about that. But um, but yeah, those kind of games are just gonna kill you, and and, and it's disappointing to see. I mean, but shout out with to James Franklin. Shout out to James Franklin for going seven and six and securing an absolute bag on an extension. <laughs> Hall of Fame agent. Hall of Fame Hall agent. Of right there. Fame agent. He's uh, because easy James Franklin Let's is in it. every coaching carousel <laughs> rumor and then gets paid after a seven and six year. Um, I think a lot of this had to do with Sean Clifford getting hurt. Uh, if they never lose at Iowa, you can wonder, you know, what happens with the rest of their season. Uh, but this was a team. They had a lot of young talent. Um, a lot of guys who were a little bit unproven and eventually it just kind of fell off the wagon as the season went along. I want to bring on another low light. It wasn't necessarily a low, low light, but Wisconsin, because the record still stands that Graham Mertz has never beaten a ranked team, but is undefeated against unranked teams. That's that's kind of wild that that's a fact. <laughs> it's the it's the greatest betting trend of all time. I know what to bet on every Ohio oh, State. But, or but watch out. Game. Watch out for the Badgers next season where they have Illinois State, Washington State, and New Mexico State to start their season off. A little bit lighter schedule than playing Notre Dame, huh? 
but which actually I am looking forward to the first tough game immediately following those three games is at Ohio state. So we will very much determine how good Wisconsin is very quickly. And then you have Illinois and Northwestern after that. So your first, your first six games, if you don't win five of them, you're terrible. You have to win five. Northwestern, Illinois, and then basically three pretty easy. That's five not hard games in your first six. And then one hard one. No, if you're Wisconsin, you don't go to a bowl game. Which, I mean, they're going to go to a bowl game. But, like, if you don't get at least, I mean, <laughs> at what? Like, eight, nine wins out of that? I mean, come on. So, we'll see how Wisconsin does next year. We'll obviously have previews out um, in well in kind of a while. But we'll have them out eventually uh, once when the season gets back around. Uh, we now get to the epitome of failure in college football, which is, guess what? The Pac-12. Uh, the Pac-12 has been disappointing year in, year out. Um, this season was quite bizarre, but they did have one shining star among them all, which I will give them credit. But the one team that I'm not going to bash at all today is the Utah Utes, a team that kind of came out of nowhere and a team that went through a lot, to say the least. Two different players on Utah had died this last year, which I could not imagine how difficult that is to have two different teammates um, on a, on the football team together um, have to pass that early, which is just sort of I mean, unbelievable to even think about that. So um, I'm actually going to look up um, the, the, the two players. But uh, the two of them were – it was Aaron Lowe, who was, um, who was 21 years old, which was shot to death, and also Ty Jordan, um, who also was shot. Uh, he died in uh, – um, a, a day after Christmas uh, was self-inflicted, but it was accidental. So really, really horrible news. Uh, of course, those were uh, back then. Um, uh, Aaron Lowe was actually earlier. That was in, uh, that was on October 13th, 2021. Uh, it happened late September. Um, so yeah, again, really, really terrible, terrible stuff for that team. And to be able to go through both of those events and still come out as not only a good team, but pretty solidly the best team in your conference and win the conference championship was really, really cool to see. So big, big credit to Utah for what was an incredibly successful season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all kind of – Utah at the beginning of every year is kind of like, well, they could do it. They're in the Pac-12. Um, they actually did it this season, uh, and they did it to the tune of kicking Oregon's ass twice hanging 38 on them twice and they play at Oregon second to last week of the season this coming year and they also play at Florida State and at UCLA and San Diego State so they got some they got some interesting games on that and Oregon is going through a head coaching change so you mm-hmm. look at the outlook of the Pac-12 and really you expect that USC is going to be better obviously bringing in Lincoln Riley they will improve yeah but Utah has consistently been able to do some damage in the Pac-12. Um, and huge, huge shout-out to them. Uh, I really think – I know you had Oregon State on the highlights, but I think that's more of a relative highlight. Uh, compared oh, it's, it's to relative. The Pac-12, because there were it, it, it a is. lot of lowlights, a lot of lowlights in the Pac-12. Uh, US, the I, I give Oregon the credit because they had incredibly little to work with. And Oregon, I mean, Oregon State, um, and Oregon State had basically nothing to work with, they were in complete shambles, and yet they're able to put together a season that actually really wasn't that bad. So, I and I get they lost their bowl game too, I know, but 
I just give them credit because Oregon State was able to pull off some pretty impressive wins, and they were supposed to have a horrific season and end up having an average one. So I just wanted to give them a shout-out because I've been sort of on their train most of the year. Yeah, I, I think as far as the lowlights go, USC is the obvious one, but they're going through a coaching change. Uh, I actually well, think it might – I think it was Hopefully good for I think it was good for USC because it finally gave them a legitimate reason to get Clay Helton out of there, which they've been looking for for years. Um, so getting Clay Helton out is a win. Obviously, the season overall was a loss. Arizona going one and eleven, and I'm shocked they even won a game, Jack. No, I, I actually have a I have a worse team. Washington is 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 almost more of a joke to me than Arizona because Washington was a top fifteen team preseason and lost to Montana in game one. <laughs> you start your season off and they went four and eight. They lost four games in a row to end the season. I get Stanford also lost seven in a row to end the season after starting three and two. So that also was pretty awful. But no, I mean obviously Arizona was a worse team than Washington, but and Arizona was <laughs> Arizona was like borderline like not even good enough to be in the like to even be in the Pac-12. But listen to this, listen to this. These are Arizona's first three games next season. First three games at San Diego State, loss. Mississippi State at home, probably a loss. North Dakota State. Oh, no. No, you oh, don't no. want – I promise you. I promise you. Oh, you no. Don't, if you are a middling to bottom tier team in your conference and you think it's a good idea to play the Bison of North Dakota State, you are Horrible mistaken. Horrible, Horrible decision. decision. <laughs> this is a great opportunity next season for North Dakota State. I can't wait to watch that game and bet North Dakota State because uh, that's going to be quite awesome. Uh, Their two but- games against the North Division are against Washington State and Washington, which is easier, mind you, but as this, I, <laughs> this team might not win a game. <laughs> but wrapping the Pac-12 – I think we can nicely put a bow on the fact that the Pac-12 is still the Pac-12. Uh, as, much, games. <laughs> as much grief as we give the ACC, um, the Pac-12 was clearly, I think, the worst of the two conferences uh, yes. this year in terms of snatching up that bottom spot in the Power Five. Um, obviously, ACC didn't get a uh, didn't get in a playoff team either, but I think for the Pac-12, I mean, it's USC or bust at this point because Oregon's going through a small rebuild. We've seen what Utah can do in their best years, and it's still not up to playoff standards. Um, USC is really the best hope for this conference going forward. Um, and I think getting Lincoln Riley in the Pac-12 was a huge win for the conference. Yeah. Might have saved yeah. them uh, as conference realignment starts to come. Yeah, there, which we're going to get into that more when we get into college football restarting next year. Um, but there's going to be a lot of change. Uh, some FCS teams moving up, lots of teams moving around. So we'll and obviously that'll be more carried over into 2023. But we'll get that going as it goes along. But we can get our final power five conference in 
which will be, of course, the SEC. With the SEC having a season that, yes, I'm going to rip on the SEC some because everyone talks about it like you can't touch it ever. And I'm going to talk about it. But starting things off, the top half of the SEC, top third of the SEC, was pretty solid to pretty good. They could beat most teams, if not nearly every team. The top two were by far and away the best two teams in the country. A lot of okay teams. And then the bottom of the SEC was about the worst you could see. So out of those, Florida was a joke. Vanderbilt was horrendous. South Carolina was painfully average. Missouri was painfully average. LSU was pretty bad. Auburn was irrelevant. And Mississippi State and A&M were just sort of weirdly middling. And then you have, of course, Georgia and Alabama at the top. Kentucky had overperforming season. Arkansas had a great first half and ending, but not very good middle for overall. Pretty good year. And then Ole Miss put together uh, finally a non-terrible defense and an offense that actually scored a lot less than I thought. They only scored 246 points, which uh, I would have thought they would have scored more. But, um, but yeah, for Ole Miss, it is uh, – or, sorry, that's looking – my bad. I'm looking at the conference where they had 438 points. Um but yeah, it was it was sort of a strange year for the SEC, kind of like last year, where it's sort of your your best teams are going to be nationally among the best, and your middling teams are just sort of going to be average, and your bad teams are going to be among the worst. So they're not all but, gods. I'm out of this. I think what we really saw in the SEC is some of the middle class teams start to figure it out, and by figure it out, I mean it looks like these teams have their coach. Um, lockdown, um, and, and that's going to be a good thing for them uh, going forward. I want to give a shout-out to Arkansas, uh, who no one saw coming in the SEC prior to this year, but Sam Pittman yeah. has things looking in the right direction there. Uh, they've got some talent coming in. Uh, they obviously have some talent leaving, like Traylon Burks, uh, but I think it is sustainable uh, for Arkansas to kind of keep up this standard of being competitive, getting an upset or two in there, um, and yet not being at the top of the conference because the top of the conference is going to be Bama and Georgia going forward. Um, until someone recruits on the same level, looking at you, Texas A&M, um, until someone recruits yeah, on the same level there, yeah. and can put it together on the field, uh, it's going to be um, it's going to be Bama. side note. <laughs> But, Key side yeah. note is that AM is going to improve from eight and four to nine and three. <laughs> yeah, all that <laughs> with the team that five stars. Thirty million dollar best recruiting class of all time with seven five stars. Yeah, they're going to go nine and three uh, because this is Jimbo Fisher, and what else do we expect? Uh, a couple yeah, other teams great. I wanted to shout out: Tennessee putting it together, um, and they lost some heartbreakers, but. At least we got the offense rolling now. Uh, believe in Josh Heupel, Hendon Hooker coming back next year. Uh, next year could believe be in the mustard thrown on the field. Believe, believe the in the field. the balls. And I wanted to shout out Kentucky because Kentucky went ten and three, um, and that's you might as well have won a national championship if you go ten and three at Kentucky. Uh, so props to Mark Stoops there uh, for getting a lot of wins, and obviously he avoided. A lot of the better teams uh, in the in the SEC, but and didn't look competitive against Georgia whatsoever. But well, and can, uh, they have to play at at Ole Miss and against Mississippi State next year. Those are their West opponents. 
That's not bad. That's not bad for them. Without Matt Corral, yeah, I mean that that could be a well, shout out Matt Corral for one heck of a season, but um, before getting injured, but yeah, pretty good. But now to the rest of the G five teams that will include. A whole lot of teams that had a lot of great success. The big highlights here are Cincinnati, pretty obviously, for making uh, the football glass ceiling of G5 teams make the playoffs. Um, Houston had a great season despite losing to Texas Tech to open the year. And actually, I think they would have had a very different season if they didn't blow that game. Um, still lost Cincinnati anyway, but Houston had a really, really solid year. They were a great team. Um, UTSA, of course, were kind of like this year's uh, Coastal Carolina, who, by the way, fell off uh, very hard. Um but, yeah, they had a very, very solid year. Uh, UTSA, probably the best year in their existence, uh, ended up going – what was their final tally? Uh, UTSA went 12-2, uh, 7-1, and two, seven and one, uh, blew a really dumb game to North Texas at the end of the year. I don't know what happened there, but um, they were pretty solid over the year. Uh, Utah State was kind of a surprise late in the season. They had a very solid year in the Mountain West Conference as well as Air Force. Um, and then San Diego State and Fresno State also both got double-digit wins. San Diego State was a very good team, uh, beat UTSA to end the season. Um, and then also Louisiana was ranked the majority of the year. They had a very successful year um, in the Sun Belt. They actually finished 16th. Yeah, Louisiana Raging Cajun, 16th in the country to finish the year. They had a really solid season, 13-1 and overall. They won 13 games in a row to end the season, which, yes, if you were wondering – is the best active win streak in college football right now. 13 straight wins in a row for the Raging Cages. Nobody's even close to that, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. In fact, the longest win streak I can find that's anywhere near that length uh, is Clemson had a six-game win streak to end the year, and not even Georgia because they lost a late game. So, because of course that was to Alabama. So, gotta shout them out. They've had a really la- a couple, a lot of good success these last couple of years. So, good for you, Louisiana. Yeah, the only other one that I wanted to put on here was Fresno State. Um, yeah. I, my lasting impression of the season is the electric late-night game between UCLA and Fresno State, uh, where awesome. I <laughs> live bet the hell out of Fresno State, and they ended up uh, coming back to win in the fourth quarter uh, with one of the better performances I've seen in recent history uh, from Jake Hayner in that fourth quarter there. Uh, and, and they play this year to note on it, uh, Fresno state this next season plays at USC. However, losing your head coach and your starting quarterback is not going to help you much against, uh, Lincoln Riley. So still, still could be fun. Still could be fun. Still could be fun. Absolutely. Um, getting into some lowlights here. I know you had this on yours. Coastal Carolina was expected. They got all their returning production back. They got I don't know what happened. <laughs> quarterback and Grayson McCall back. Uh, they got their head coach back in Jamie Chadwell, even though he definitely had some better offers out there. Um, and the season was kind of a dud for them. I mean, we weren't looking at I playoffs. Wouldn't say, I wouldn't say they still win 11 and 2. It was just they blew the important games when they needed to, but they weren't right. bad. They were still right. a very good team. They just they but just they kind of put were... it together the games they needed to. But in order to be relevant as a Sun Belt Conference team, and I say relevant in the general conversation, obviously relevant in Sun Belt is another an entirely relatively different thing, uh, entirely. But in terms of the national conversation. 
you know, you got to be undefeated. You got to be carrying like one loss. Um, and they didn't win their games uh, that they needed to win. I remember watching them against App State. Uh, and App State kind of ran up and down the field on them. Uh, and then they, were a- they weren't able to score really in the second half. Um, so, yeah, I think Jamie Chadwell's coaching reputation took a little bit of a hit this year. Um, just bringing back as much as they did, not being able to do uh, quite as much with it. But so, who are some of your other lowlights from the group of five teams? I know we've got some good content on here. Uh, the other low lights, um, Nevada. I was actually – I had really high hopes for Nevada this season. Um, I thought they were going to be a really, really solid team. They ended up going 8-5, and 5-3, five, five and three, and that was with Carson Strong, who's going to be one of the better quarterback options for the NFL and really still is a great quarterback. It's just I don't know what happened to their team this year. Um, Ball State, a team that you're probably like, why would you highlight – bless you. How, how would you – why would you highlight Ball State? Who cares about Ball State? And while that is a very good point, because I don't know who cares about Ball State, but they went six and seven and four and four. And again, you may ask, why does that matter? Because Ball State won the MAC last year, the first time they've won the MAC in over thirty years. And the MAC is always the MAC is always a shit show, though. It's the MAC completely (laughs) pick a name out of a hat. It's not going to be a good name, but it's going to be a name, and it's going to be a random. (laughs) It's going to be a name. (laughs) You will pick a name out of that, and this year. The name that was randomly decided out of the hat was Northern Illinois, which actually usually is one of the winners here. Uh, Central Michigan almost, almost, almost uh, made the title game. Uh, just missed out on a tiebreaker with the Huskies. But, yeah, Ball State was pretty pathetic this season. Um, shout out Bowling Green for going 4-8 and eight and still beating Minnesota, um, which was pretty hilarious. So, yeah, I, I won't forget that, uh, Minnesota fans. And then, of course, uh, the most hilarious options on this list are UConn slash UMass because they both deserve a spot here because they both went 1-11 and and one of those two wins was against the other team. So game of the year. Uh, <laughs> game of the year uh, between UConn and, uh, and UMass. Um, the 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 – I'm not. I'm not going to say the name. The whole, <laughs> I'm not going to say it. it. It's. It. We got to bring it back year after year. That's all oh I'm going to say. Like, we have to bring it back. It's a great joke. Uh, the jokes I rank think, themselves. At this point. I think it should happen every year. I think this should be. <laughs> I don't even know why that there's a rivalry here, but they've also they've played each other 75 times. <laughs> okay, <laughs> one, one second. I gotta pull this up. Um, this <laughs> this is just looking them up. This is the most innocent thing. I'm just I'm just looking them up. I swear. I just looked up UConn UMass football rivalry. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm like simply like, let's have a look at also UConn known as versus <laughs> UMass. <laughs> wait 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 wait. I need you to go. What up. great I need, I need you to go up. <laughs> Zoom out. This is this is on Wikipedia. <laughs> no way. It's on Wikipedia. <laughs> There's no way. That's on Wikipedia. Well, the same thing is known. Wiki, Wikipedia oh mods God. do not care at all. And 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 the 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 logos look, line up perfectly at, on the page. Look at this. Look at this sentence. 
<laughs> like, how meta is this? Oh, God. <laughs> We're living in a simulation. Although the nickname may be explicit, the school's fans were quick to get behind the popular phrase, despite mockery. <laughs> they have although and despite. They're like, don't get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. There are oh, a lot God. of disclaimers in there. Um, I mean, to be fair, it's a pretty back-and-forth rivalry. Oh, yes! Yes! <laughs> we're getting a 76th edition! <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> we are getting another game. I can tell you what. I will probably not be in the Northeast for this amount of time, but I'm just saying, if I happen to be up here, you know where I'm going to be this fall. <laughs> I'm 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 a little bit sad that I didn't go to the Yukon Vanderbilt game, uh, which was practice. You couldn't sell a ticket for that game. Like you would have to pay someone to take your ticket for that game. Uh, but- last team I'll mention before we before we wrap. Last one on here because I didn't want this team to escape us. But you know how we just bullied uh, UMass and UMass, uh, UMass and UConn for going one and eleven. There was another one and eleven team. And that was the Florida International Panthers, the only other team to go one and eleven this season. One and five at home, zero and six on the road. They they're on an eleven game losing streak, which it's just just to look at this football team. And I know we have to go, but I'm just this is my last thing here. The Florida International football team, which you'd think having international with everything, they would at least be somewhat decent. But apparently, being international, they forgot how to play the sport of football which does tend to hurt your odds of winning a football game. Uh, this team was only founded in 2002, which is saying something. But, um, yeah, it was Butch Davis, their head coach, who they actually uh, fired. He had a five-year tenure. And uh, unsurprisingly, they said, please leave. Dear God, please leave. Um, in 2022, they played Texas State, New Mexico State, and, which is the reason why I brought them up, Florida International, who went 1-11, plays UConn next year. We will have a UConn Florida Atlantic game and a battle of the one and eleven. So I'm just saying, you can book that on your calendar for another um, epic clash of titans in the football industry. So, and as far as I can tell, I believe they have the third or fourth. Well, I'm not. I don't see. Uh, I got to look at UMass and okay, UMass and UConn were way worse. They they are in the top ten of worst point differential getting outscored by 200-plus points. There are not many teams that can boast that reputation. However, that was before I looked at the point differential of UMass and UConn, which just blows it out of the water because they're getting outscored by, like, 400 points on the season. Um, (laughs) You only play 12 games. A true rivalry is the point differential bowl um, and who – can just escape having the worst point differential um, in college my, football. My favorite, my favorite rivalry in college football is UConn fans and the will to live. That's That's got to be my favorite. UConn has fans? Since when? <laughs> They're barely a football program. Yeah, sorry. I'm just, I'm just making up words. <laughs> yeah, the, it's women's basketball season. Come on. It, unironically, it is. That, it is. Um, it is actually. They are, they are, you know, they lost a conference game for the first time since 2013 this week. I saw that. That is absurd. Talk about a dynasty. Jeez. But if that does it for you, Jack, that'll do it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. Uh, we will be back this weekend with some Super Bowl content, and we'll be back next week wrapping 
uh, the Super Bowl, getting into some trade deadline talk. Uh, I want to talk about that a little bit tomorrow as well because we had the James Harden Ben Simmons trade. Obviously, I have a lot of thoughts about a lot, and of I have a lot of I have a lot of themes about it. So we have that happen, and yeah, it's fan- it works out perfectly. But once again, thanks so much for listening. I'm Noah Parker, and I'm Jack Wallace. Peace out, peace Joel. out, Joel.